The Way BK podcast is dedicated to pursuing and promoting a true understanding of Jesus Christ and the transformation he provides for all who submit to him to live in a way that is pleasing to God as revealed in the Bible. Let's join our hosts as they discuss The Way. One of my absolute favorite authors, podcasters, thinker, talkers, people you come across in society is an author named Malcolm Gladwell. Like anybody, there's takes he has that I think are whack. There's things he's interested in that I'm not interested in, but I really like hearing him talk about stuff. He has a lot of interesting conversations about society and history and how human beings do the things they do. So he's written a lot of books. I remember going all the way back to college reading some of his stuff, and then since then just kind of following his work. He's really famous. You've probably heard of him or know people who've heard of him. Whatever. One of his books that I got to say, I actually enjoyed it quite a lot. Really did not like the opening intro to it is a book of his called David and Goliath. So here's the premise. The uh, Gladwell's book basically argues, hey, you know the David and Goliath story you always heard in church growing up or that you heard people talk about, oh, really unlikely, this little guy beating the big guy, how could this have happened? Actually, the true story, so Gladwell argues in his book, is that the little guy had a lot of advantages and that the big guy had a lot of disadvantages and that really this isn't some sort of supernatural thing though maybe it was a mythological legend that developed or whatever I don't remember exactly the details of what exactly he argued but basically the point is the David and Goliath story shouldn't be surprising that there are all these different reasons that David should have won the battle I'll go ahead and say I, as far as I know um, Mr. Gladwell is not a follower of Jesus. As far as I know, he doesn't believe the Bible is God's divinely inspired word. So I understand why he would come to a conclusion like that, trying to explain away this uh, this text. But what he argues there has no relationship to the true story of David and Goliath. Now, I want to say, I think there's others. That may be, a, if you're a Bible reader or if you're interested in the Bible at all, you might understand why I would say that that take from Gladwell um, is incorrect. But I think there's even other takes on the David and Goliath story that get closer to the truth that aren't the true story either. Uh, of course, if you pick this up somehow and you're not even a, a Bible reader, maybe somebody shared this with you or you just came across it, you might say, actually, the David and Goliath story, that's one of the ones I've kind of heard of. I don't really know the details, but I do know the premise. Big guy should have won. Little guy shouldn't have won. The little guy wins the battle. And now, anytime there's, say, seems like to me the time this comes up most often is in some sort of uh, business venture or maybe in a political venture. Ah, it's another David and Goliath story. This unlikely upstart company rules the day. This unlikely candidate takes victory. Or maybe in a sports setting, this the David and Goliath story will get uh, invoked oftentimes in uh, the springtime, March Madness, college basketball, small school in some random place with no superstars. Nobody's going to play professional basketball, but somehow that team, that David, slays one of the Goliaths, the big name programs. So we use the story to basically mean something that's incredibly unlikely, but exciting. Again, not really what the story is all about. I'll give you one more. In church, sometimes we can just see this as merely an inspirational story about what God can do through a little boy, and that gets really close to it. But even still, I'm not sure that, that gives us the full weight and some of the dynamic 
elements of what the true story, what the real story of David and Goliath is all about. So let me hit you with three quick uh, thoughts from the story of David and Goliath. Reading 1 Samuel 17 and meditating on it is going to give you a lot of uh, pretty important stuff in your heart and in your mind and in your soul as you go through your life and as this story helps you think about God. But I want to hit you with three ideas uh, that I think really, when considered together, sum up the true meaning of the David and Goliath story. Set up though. Israel is in shambles. For hundreds of years, they've been this kind of loose confederation, pretty conflicted, messed up kind of nation. King Saul becomes king, kind of puts them together a little bit for a little while, but he doesn't do a great job, to be honest, as far as moving the ball forward with Israel's strength and their security. And their main enemy are the Philistines. This war, warring society that's coming against them, trying to occupy their land, taking their resources, all this bad stuff. And there's this uh, situation where Saul's forces are lined up against the Philistine forces, and there's a sort of valley in between the two armies. Of course, this is ancient times, not like modern warfare, and so things went a little bit differently. And one custom, it would appear, or at least one practice in this instance, was that uh, the Philistines sent out a champion. His name was Goliath. The text at the beginning of 1 Samuel 17 describes him. He's humongous. I mean, nine feet tall. He's got armor that's just so heavy. A normal man would never be able to carry it. His, his, uh, all of his equipment, all of his war equipment are tremendous to where it would create such a disadvantage. No one would be foolish enough. I mean, just physically, given how tall he is, according to the text, no one would be foolish enough to go up against him. But also, they wouldn't have the gear to go up against him. He has the fanciest gear, the nicest stuff. His armor is made of bronze. He has an armor bearer. He's got a sword and a spear and all this kind of stuff. And he would go out every day and he would taunt the Israelites and say, hey, if you have anybody who can face me, send him out. And we'll go mano a mano, one-on-one. And if your guy beats me, then we'll serve you. If I beat your guy, then y'all have to serve us. Of course, you can imagine this would have cut down on casualties quite a bit to just send out one hero, one champion from each side, and then see who wins. The Israelites, terrified. Meanwhile, back in Bethlehem, Jesse, the father of David, who at this point is still just a little shepherd boy, uh, sends his son, the shepherd boy, with supplies to his brothers. And so David arrives, and he tracks down his brothers, hands off the supplies, and it just so happens that he hears and observes this daily taunt of Goliath. And David is pretty concerned about it and asks about it. And it brings us to our first lesson, the first principle, the first meaning of the true story of David and Goliath, the true meaning of the story of David and Goliath. 1 Samuel 17 and verse 26, David spoke to the men who were standing with him. And he said, what will be done for the man who kills the Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel. Just who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? All right, what's on David's mind? He asked this question, of, hey, what's to be done for this man? There were, of course, lots of prizes that were uh, incentives that were put out to the army. Notice, by the way, King Saul not going to fight for his people. Maybe we'll tag back in on that in a second. So David asked about that, but really what his question about is, 
Hey, this is horrifying. Look around, guys. This is terrible. This Philistine, this uncircumcised man. In other words, uncircumcised, not just being a statement about a physical surgery that a man did or didn't have, but a statement about he's not one of God's covenant people. This is a disgrace to the covenant people of God that we have a guy come out here and talk smack like this. And you know what? He's not even with our God at all. He's defying the armies of the living God. And you're telling me that we're all just cool with this, just standing here watching this? What's the true meaning? What's the real story of David and Goliath? The real story is a story about a man who was obsessed with defending God's honor. Obsessed with defending God's honor. That's what David was concerned about. There's actually further statements later on where David's going to give credit to God for past victories that God had secured for him in his life. Whenever David actually goes up and fights Goliath, the stuff in his mouth is not going to be talk about how... uh, cunning of a warrior he is or anything like that David's gonna be talking about his God the story of David and Goliath isn't primarily about David and Goliath it's actually really a story about God now don't don't get it twisted it's not like God just unilaterally attacks and handles the situation as he often does God works through his people human beings people that are meant to be partners with him and here david actually is a willing and righteous partner with god because what he's concerned about is how could you guys let god's honor be taken down like this in such a horrible horrible way the true story of david and goliath isn't just a boy fighting a giant it's about a man david standing up for speaking out about and defending the honor of his God. If I can just pause for a second, I think this is a great thing for people of faith. And if you're, again, you're not of faith and you're tuning in here, you should understand that this is what's supposed to be the central ethos of people of faith. And now for those of us who are trying to follow Jesus, what is that really all about? Are you just trying to get prizes for yourself by following Jesus, by serving God? Do you read the Bible just when you're in trouble? Do you pray and ask God to bail you out just when you're in trouble? Or is your life, everything you do, your family, your work, your money, the way you use your body, what you eat, what you drink, what you think about, what you watch, is it concentrated on how can I in some way use this to myself better understand and better appreciate God's honor and in the world, in my interactions with other people, do whatever I can to defend God's honor in the world. Jesus said to his followers, anybody who was following after him, all the things that he would say, what you're supposed to do, he said, hey, you need to be letting your light so shine so that people may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. And that that's what the David and Goliath story is really all about. It's about a man defending God's honor. But that's not all. Um, Part of defending God's honor is, well, a big part of it actually, is not thinking about yourself, but thinking about the people that God cares about and values and loves. So the second thing we can say that the David and Goliath story is really all about is it's a story about fighting for the sake of others. Fighting for the sake of others. Uh, This is implied all throughout the text. I mean, right there, we already read it in verse 26, where David says, um, who's going to take care of this and remove this disgrace from Israel? It's not just that David's mad about, oh, this guy's defying the armies of the living God. He's disrespecting our God. He was concerned about that. But he was also concerned about what this meant for his fellow Israelites, God's people. And and some of them would have been a little hard to want to fight for, to want to stick up for. How about the army? 
The text says in chapter 17 that all the army, these men who were grown men, David at this point is a youth, but these are grown men, whatever that meant in that context, but you can imagine you know, some kid, maybe 14, 15, 16, maybe even younger, 11, 12, 13, and then you got grown men in their 20s, 30s, 40s that are supposed to be out there fighting, and they're terrified. They're, they're shaking with fear. They're unwilling to even respond to this uh, giant, much less get out there and do something about him. Do you want to fight for people like that? People that are the people that you can't really respect, people that you look at and you say, "Man, I wouldn't want to be like them. I don't I don't admire that at all. I don't like what I'm seeing out of them at all. That's not good." David did. How about this? It wasn't just um, the army that David was concerned about. Uh, it was also his brother. Uh, the text beginning in uh, in verse uh, 28, David's oldest brother who's there as a member of, of the forces of the army, he starts just going in on David. I know why you're here. You just came to see the battle. In other words, like a lot of older brothers with their punk little brother whenever he comes around, he just thinks David's just there to try to, I don't know, show him up, to uh, pretend like he's something he's not. I don't know what all the details were. Maybe Eliab was just still sore over the fact that David had been chosen to be king and not Eliab. But either way, David gets attacked by Eliab. You know who David went out there to fight, though, whenever he fought Goliath? He fought for Eliab, his brother. Someone who doubted him, someone who insulted him, someone who mistreated him. The David and Goliath story is not just about David being a champion for David, but about David being a champion on behalf of his brother Eliab, the one he was fighting for. But it's not just Eliab, his kind of, if we can say it this way, kind of enemy, someone who's antagonizing him. Uh, It's not just Israel and the armies of Israel that were so lame. It's uh, not just Eliab. It's also King Saul. You know, by rights, Saul should have been the one who stood up. I mean, he's the one... 1 Samuel chapter uh, uh, 12, excuse me, chapter 11 tells us about how Saul is uh, head and shoulders above everybody. Maybe chapter 10, whatever. It's, it's earlier in the text, chapter 10 through 12, in that range. He's head and shoulders above everybody. He's handsome. He's ready. The kind of guy that you would want for exactly a moment like this. Go out there, fight for us, make something happen. Where's Saul? What's he doing? Nothing. Not only that, whenever David goes to Saul to talk to him about going out and fighting, Saul really doesn't do anything to encourage him. He just discourages him from going out at all. David's going out and doing Saul's job, fighting for him on his behalf. And that's what the David and Goliath story is about. Someone who's not only who's so concerned with defending God's honor that he also thinks about the needs of people around him. David understood Saul's not going out there. Eliab, my handsome, strong older brother's not going out there. None of these dudes in this army are going out there. And you know what? The people of Israel need somebody to go out to rescue them. And so if nobody else will do it, I'll do it. David, and we could back it up, by the way, David's care for others, the fact that he wanted to fight for others, even is shown in the fact that he was willing to go bring these provisions from his home where he was safe, away from the battlefield, and to come close to danger just to bring some food. For his family who was in need. Defending God's honor isn't just something exclusively do toward and for God. It's something that God wants his people to do for others. In other words, one of the best ways to serve God is to serve other people. Jesus said, the first commandment is to love God with everything you've got, but the second is like it, right next to it. You should love your neighbor as yourself. All those opportunities to forgive, to take a meal to somebody, to sit and listen to someone, talk about whatever problems they've got going on in their life, to pray for other people and not just for your own stuff. 
All of those are ways that we should follow in David's footsteps and fight for others around us, to fight for those who are in need. And that's what the story of David and Goliath is really about. But one more thing. The story of David and Goliath is about defending God's honor. The story of David and Goliath is about fighting for those who are in need. The story of David and Goliath is a story about victory. But not the victory of um, the kid who actually had a lot better shot at winning than you think. Not the victory that's completely unlikely either. As a matter of fact, this victory should be totally expected whenever you read the Bible story. It was certainly expected by David that he would come through and take this victory. The David and Goliath story is about the victory of courageous faith. I want to read a little bit more of the text where Saul speaks to David and says, Hey man, listen, this guy, you're just a kid. This guy has been a warrior since he was a kid. But listen to what David says in 1 Samuel 17 and 34. David answered Saul, Your servant has been tending his father's sheep. Whenever a lion or a bear came and carried off a lamb from the flock, I went after it, struck it down, and rescued the lamb from its mouth. If it reared up against me, I'd grab it by its fur, strike it down, and kill it. Your servant, David, speaking of himself, has killed lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. Then David said, I don't know why the text says that. Maybe it's just to give emphasis. Maybe there's a dramatic pause. But this is the point of what David was saying. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. David was so supremely confident. He had such courage because of his faith that he says, hey, I've fought lions, bears, whatever. This guy's just like everybody else. I don't even care. Let's go. Let's go. I'll take him down. Trust me because I know God is with me. That's what the David and Goliath story is really all about. It's about the victory of courageous faith. Now, maybe we should say a little bit about faith right here. Um, Sometimes people say faith is kind of a crazy thing you do. It's just something you just close your eyes, hope that it works out, and then when it does, you say, oh, I did it by faith, and then you get to celebrate this unlikely thing. That's not the kind of faith the Bible talks about. The kind of faith that the Bible talks about is a very rational, reasonable faith that's based on evidence. Notice how David here, I mean, he's talking about, look, I do believe I can win this battle, and here's why. I have evidence. God has done things in the past that have led me to this conclusion. And I bet you when David ran out there to fight that bear, fight that lion, or whatever he was fighting to protect his sheep, it was because of other things he had seen. For instance, maybe not in his own life, but in history. David had seen God do many things throughout history. He had read about it in scriptures. He had heard about it from his elders and others who loved God and knew about God. And David had compiled this evidence. It was a rational, reasonable faith based on evidence. And that drove his courage courage to go into battle and to face this enemy. Uh, by the way, another thing about the, the victory of courageous faith is David trusted in God and not in other things that he could have trusted in. The next scene in the story is Saul trying to suit David up. Basically, Saul's like, all right, kid, you think you can do it? Let's go. Y'all bring in my armor, get all my stuff, and they put the gear on David. And it's actually a funny little image to imagine David walking in with armor that's way too big that wouldn't fit him. And he said, I haven't tested these out. I haven't tried these. You know what? I'm not even going to use it. He dumps off all the armor, dumps the sword, dumps all the stuff that you would think, dude, you got to have this. You have nothing. And what does he have? He walks out to a little stream, and he picks up five smooth stones, and he puts them in a little bag, and he's got his sling. And then he walks out on the battlefield 
to meet this giant who again is suited up with the thickest of armor the the most dominant sorts of equipment that you could have a, a vicious sword and spear an armor bearer they're taking care of stuff and david walks out there with nothing nothing but a few rocks in his bag and a sling that's it david the the victory of david's courageous faith is a contrast to the failure of trusting other things, trusting in yourself, trusting in things of this world, trusting in various kinds of equipment that you think will get you out of stuff. By the way, this is a great lesson. Sometimes we face these difficulties in life and we think, oh, I can overcome it. I can defeat this if I, and then you fill in the blank with whatever resource you look at and you say, this is the thing that will save me. This is the thing that will rescue me. This is the thing that will take care of me. David's story teaches us no. The thing that will take care of you is God. He's proven it time and again, and you got to trust him, not in the other stuff. David and Goliath are now facing each other, face-to-face here. And we're going to see how this uh, courageous faith plays out. I mean, Goliath's so incensed, frankly, that they sent out a child to fight him. He says, am I a dog that you come to play with me with sticks? I'm going to feed your body to the birds. He cursed David by his gods. And then David says in verse 45, You come against me with a sword, spear, and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord of armies, the God of the ranks of Israel. You have defied him. Today, the Lord will hand you over to me. Today, I'll strike you down, remove your head, and give the corpses of the Philistine army to the birds of the sky and the wild creatures of the earth. Then all the world will know that Israel has a God. And this this whole assembly will know that it is not by sword or by spear that Yahweh saves. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will hand you over to us. What a dummy. How could a kid walk out and think he's got a shot? Why would he talk like this? You don't talk smack whenever you know you're going to lose. And you know you're going to lose. David, look at it, man. This is irrational. I mean, at best, if you think you're going to win, just get out there. Don't talk about it. Just be about it. Just win the battle and have it be done with and then boast about it afterwards. But David can't do that. He can't help but trash talk. I mean, I don't know a better way to say it. He doesn't. He can't help but go face-to-face to this giant Goliath and talk like this to him. Why? Because David has full confidence, complete courage, not a drop of fear in this kid. I don't know if he was afraid a little bit, but if he was, the courage that his faith inspired completely overwhelmed whatever fears he might have felt inside. And anybody watching, including this giant Goliath, would have thought it was totally irrational and foolish. But it wasn't. It made perfect sense. David knew. He'd already seen the evidence before, and he was about to see it come to fruition here. I love the next scene, verse 48. It says, When the Philistines started forward to attack him, so Goliath starts moving toward David, David ran quickly to the battle line to meet the Philistine. I love that. The kind of faith David had in God, that faith that made him so concerned for his fellow Israelites that made him willing to fight for the needs of others. That faith that made him know that God was worth defending his honor. It inspired David to go quickly to the battle line. So quickly, in fact, that he actually forgot to pull out what little gear he did bring to the battle. Look at verse 49. It's after he started running. So imagine, you're there, the Philistine Goliath the giant, he starts moving towards you, and then David takes off, he starts running, and it's almost like then he realizes, oh yeah, yeah, 
I need something to attack this dude. Let's see what, oh yeah, the rocks. Verse 49 says, and then David put his hand in the bag, took out a stone, slung it, and it hit the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. David defeated the Philistine with a sling and a stone. David overpowered the Philistine and killed him without having a sword. This, the victory of courageous faith is indeed victorious. David defeats the Philistine. The Philistine army goes on the run and at least temporarily is subdued because there was a boy who stood taller than any man, even the giants on that field that day, because he believed in the God who made all things. He believed in the God who had promised him that he would one day be king. He believed in the God who uh, took care of whatever troubles he might face. The story of David and Goliath is not a story of an unlikely victory, nor is it the story of a likely victory that we've just been misreading all these years and David actually had the better shot. No, he didn't. He was just a kid. He had no shot. He had no gear. He had no expertise, but he did have the Lord. And that's what the story is really all about, is when you have the Lord on your side, then you have all things. Of course, the greatest example of all these things, of defending God's honor, of fighting for the needs of others, of gaining victory through courageous faith, is not really you and me when we follow in David's footsteps, although we should. But actually, the real truest version of this story is when David's descendant, Jesus of Nazareth, did the same things. All throughout his life, speaking the truth of the scriptures, making sure that people understood the real nature of the real God who Jesus said, actually, I know it better than any of y'all ever could because he's my father and I'm here to defend his honor. All throughout his life, Jesus, in defending the Father's honor, was there to fight for the needs of people who were in need. All kinds of different needs. Uh, Spiritual wisdom and insight. Practical needs like food or comfort whenever they were in sorrow. He raised the dead. He did all these things fighting for the needs of others, even though they didn't deserve it. And even though he knew they would turn on him in the end and sacrifice him to their own pride and lusts and desires for how they wanted the world to be, Jesus still fought for those who were in need around him. And he won the victory of courageous faith. He entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. And even though he died in the cross, he was raised up from the dead and exalted to the right hand of the throne. The gospel story is actually right here in 1 Samuel 17 in a nutshell. We find all the beautiful qualities that David is a shadow of. The fullness is in Christ. And it teaches us that we have hope. And that's the real story of life in the world in general, if we'll believe it. Is that Jesus, who came to defend God's honor, to fight for those who are in need, and to find the victory of his courage that was inspired by his trust and loyalty to the Father. He offers that to us too. Just like that day, all the Israelite army chased after David, and they won a great victory against their enemies. All those who follow after Jesus will win a great victory now in their lives, but most of all, in the life to come. That's the real story of David and Goliath. The aim of The Way BK is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ across Brooklyn and beyond. For more information or to contact us, please visit www.thewaybk.com.